You're listening to Just, stories about the people working to build thriving communities rooted in justice. I'm Jess Averhart, co-founder of Black Wall Street Homecoming. And I'm Rob Shields, executive director of the ReCity Network. All right, look, so here's why we're here. We're here to get proximate. We're here to listen. We're here to process. And we're here to help you process. But here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to be preachy because we don't have all the answers and we will never make you feel like an outsider. Keeping with the theme of sharing, we always want to acknowledge the whole person and that starts with our personal, personal check-in. Check Let's do it. Ready? Three, two, one. Jess. Hey, friend. How are we doing? We're back. We're here. Mm-hmm. We're here. We made it to another episode. <laughs> it, it was looking dicey there for a second, but we're here. We're here. We did one more week down, and this is a this is all about America. Can't wait it's, to get into it. Can't wait, can't to, wait get to get into, get into Americas. Amer- no. America is that America. how we should pronounce it? Yeah, we yeah. Uh, we joke for Wake our listeners. America. Do you, do you have that? That's a real thing. That's like a. Have you heard this guy? Someone that, says, yeah, no. I can't remember his name. Bill Cunningham. Oh my gosh, I'm having total recall from my like 20 years ago in Cincinnati, Ohio. His Same whole more. thing was called "Wake Up America." That was it. He's like a radio host or something. Yeah, Republican. Okay, if right. that was very. Uh, if, <laughs> that feels like a very narrow audience that we're speaking to right now. Like <laughs> Republicans in Ohio, a very specific zip code in Ohio, maybe <laughs> access to a radio station 20 years ago. If you're listening, please respond via social <laughs> media and let us know comments. that you're like, out there. I know he was a big deal there. Or yeah. maybe, is he a listener? Could he be a listener? No, maybe. Doubtful. Maybe. We'll it's see. doubtful, but I would But hey, we're going to talk about Bill. We're going to talk about people who like Bill, people who don't like Bill. Like, America, we're going to cover everything today, but I get ahead of myself. Yeah, you are. Personal check-in time. This is what we promise every time. How are you doing, friend? Tell Catch your <laughs> listeners up. I'm good. Uh, listeners, when they get this, I, I guess we're doing this constant progression of where my son is. It's like, where's Waldo? Where's Trey where, in the world? Where in the world? Son, Another 20 year ago reference. Where is the world is where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Do you remember yes. that one? No, I do. Totally. Yeah. With the hat and the trench coat. Yeah. She, she was an idol of mine. I was like, she's, she's so stylish and cool. The game was awesome. CD-ROMs. Yeah. Man, we're yeah. just going. That's back right. In time. Oh my gosh. That's back so in time. I learned, yeah, anyways, I learned how to move around to your desktop that way. Anyways, okay. But so Trey will be, he'll be, by the time listeners are, are listening to this, he'll be in school. He'll be firmly planted, have been attending some classes, which is awesome. Wow. But when we're recording this, we move him in tomorrow or we fly tomorrow to Florida. So that's yeah. truly my that's personal big. check in because it's, even though it's weird in the time zones of when people will hear this, it's real for me today. So, what a huge milestone! Twenty-four hours. I'm actually fine. I you don't know how you're gonna walk into this like sort of chapter of your life. Are you gonna be a total crazy person, manic? Are you gonna be crying in your soup every night? Mm. I've been pretty compartmental about it all, so I haven't really been thinking about it. I've just been focusing mm. on. Work the next, and getting yeah, the next yeah. thing done and yeah. getting him down there. And I'm certain that on the flight back, I will be a puddle of tears. But right now, I don't have time for it. And I don't want to, like, consume myself in things that, like, I'm really excited for him, frankly. I'm really, I'm excited for him. And I want to celebrate this time. And then I'll manage my 
depression when I get back. <laughs> Here we go. On the flight that's back, right. it'll all hit you like a wave. But that's, that's exactly right. Tips for any empty nesters or people who are sending their kids to college, at least for me, I've booked lunches and dinners all of next week. Like I am busy. Mm. Yeah. Mm. That's good. Yeah. So that's I've good. got things to look forward to. Yeah. Yes. Things to look forward to, which is great. Mm -hmm. Hey, look at you. Way to pursue health. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. My Good. kind of my jam in my professional life, so I sort of have to walk the walk. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that yeah. great that you're pro you're professionally committed to being healthy so that you can help okay. other people be healthy? Yeah, that's yeah. No, it that's is. It's cool. a nice bonus, a win win around here, <laughs> especially for the people who have to deal with me. They're like you're obsessed oh. with personal development, which makes our lives sometimes crazy, but sometimes much better than most because I actually care quite a yeah. bit about it. I always envy the the movie stars that get paid to go get ripped, spend three months to go, and they have all the special food that arrives at their door and nutritionists, trainers. I'm like, I mean, if I had that and I was getting paid for it, all then day, yeah, being man. in shape would be great. Yes. But it'd be so much easier in my Sadly, mind. Sadly, we're not in that point zero 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 whatever percent of celebrities no. that no. get that free expense card. No, yeah. I have to make all of my own meals, and usually they're what's <laughs> easiest and what can boil on the oven most quickly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I get it. Well, you got my kids and a dog now, so yeah, I don't know, I know how you get any food, like any real good nutrition. Your wife takes care of you, though. Speaking of hey, we're, your wife, four kids, and a dog. Yes. How's life? Speaking of. Speaking of. But yeah, thanks for asking. You're sending your kid. He's not, I mean, can I say kid? Feels yeah, weird now. You're forever. sending your grown adult son now man to to college sending mine i'm not quite there yet all four of mine are going to the dentist this morning so that's fun we which i find all... highly efficient as a busy mom myself i find this very highly efficient i don't yeah, know how it, the dentist feels about this hey they're a well-oiled machine they, they really got it going on we were talking offline before we started recording like the technology I feel like we've, we're the theme of this episode is apparently throwing back to 1985, I guess. I guess that's what we're just going to lean into that. But my dentist experience was not what my kids are getting at this thing. I mean, TV screens in the ceiling, they're wearing sunglasses. I think they're a lot more aware and cognizant of radiation now. Like, I feel like maybe things were a little more loosey-goosey <laughs> with uh, x-rays back when I was coming up, which may explain a lot. I don't know. I was going to say, we'll soon find out, right, what the long-term effects are on us. Soon yeah. enough. So, but we're stepping towards health. I don't have the nutritionist and all the things, but I'm going to take my kids to the dentist, and I'm just going to pat myself on the back for that one, one, one step at a time. I love it. Shall we introduce our guest? I can't wait for our audience. Yes. Yes, set to, up the whole, like, it's like we flipped the script. We are doing that. We are yeah. flipping the script. I know. I don't even know. Yeah, we don't really have scripts, but we're flipping it. Whatever we're we do have whatever in the podcast we world. Do. Yeah, yeah, we're doing it. The, we're, I have but, scripts. So now you, that we have video. You have scripts, too. Don't play. You I have do. Notes. You're right. We're going to flip the notes. I don't know why I tried to get too cute with that, but you're right. You're exactly <laughs> right. We're, we're flipping the script because we both have them. Let's not pretend like we don't prepare for these conversations. That's right. Our guest today is a unique one for a couple reasons. I want to introduce him before. I want to welcome him, make sure he can hear us okay. Chris, are you there? Can you hear us? I'm here. Hey. hey there hey, he Chris. is. Success. Welcome. There he is. Hey, guys. Chris, I'm going to explain to our audience who you are because you you fill a special place in our hearts here at the just podcast and you, your resume you check off a lot of boxes and i'm really excited for this conversation and the role that you're going to play in it so for for our listeners who don't know 
Chris is, he's on the Just Podcast. If you've ever been scrolling through our feed and title hunting, looking for that hook that's going to really make me want to lean in and like, oh, what's that one about? Yeah. That is Chris. Chris is our title guy. Mm -hmm. He is on our editing team. He listens to every episode, finds the heartbeat of what we're talking about and elevates <laughs> it so that our listeners will be able to really capture the spirit of the conversation and want to lean in with us. And so he uh, makes us he, sound good. He does. He comes up with, I mean, he, he turns these things out like it's breathing and it's really impressive to watch. Our listeners don't know any of that, how that sausage is made behind in the shadows, but we're pulling him out from the shadows today and he's going to fill the role of host. We're actually going to empower Chris and we'll talk about power later. So Chris, don't let the power get to your head, but we're going to empower him and give him the proverbial microphone. And Jess, you and I are going to step, step into the guest chairs or the hot seats, I guess. We're going to be our own guests, which we've never done before. No, I'm excited and nervous a little bit because I can tend to wander. So, so Chris, that's good though. Chris, that's right. Chris, yeah, are you asking him to be kind? Like, be a kind host. Don't be, be mean. Is that what you're asking him? Yeah. Yeah, I'm just sure, to... make sure we stay. We stay in the boundaries. We don't wander off. Who knows where? There we go. Yeah, we right. Go. Exactly. This will be well, good. Chris, we're excited to have you, man. We're before I. I just think that for our listeners. You're a really close friend of mine, and I think for our listeners to be able to hear these topics, everything, you're more than just someone that listens to our content and helps us come up with titles. You're someone who we I reached out to because I knew that you attempt to live these values out the, of the Just Podcast each and every day in your personal life, professionally. I've, I've been your friend long enough watching you do that in the different spheres you occupy. And so handing an episode over to someone to come up with finding the heartbeat of it is a really vulnerable and a precious thing. It was so easy to trust you with that because you're someone that really embodies the spirit of the Just Podcast. And so for our listeners, Chris is a gifted writer, thinker, communicator, and he just does so much of those things so well uh, and with such humility. So we're excited to have you do this, man. And for, with that introduction, I'm going to hand over the microphone to you and let you take away this, this interview of this conversation we're going to have about this article that I'm really excited for, uh, to, to put in front of our listeners and to be able to unpack together as a, as a group here. Yeah, man, I'm ready. Yeah, thrilled to be here with you guys. Like Rob said, I, it's weird for me because I feel like this is, a, this is an introduction for me, but also not new because I'm like, no, I, I've been with you guys every step of the way. I am all in on all this stuff and not just as somebody helping to like get it out there to say like, hey, I see myself as inviting people in the front door. You, got, you guys have the house. We got the living room set up. You got the dining room. This is people don't know. And I'm like, hey, come inside. I'm not making anything special, but I can tell you to come inside, right? But I've learned a ton through, from you guys, from the guests uh, that we've had on the past now two and a half seasons. Mm -hmm. And so this podcast specifically has helped me a lot in terms of reframing what justice is, how I could personally pursue it, what's going on in, in my work world, in this nation. So it's been more than just a fun thing to engage in. It's enriched me personally. Mm -hmm. So it means a lot. Awesome, man. Awesome. You see what he did Thank there too? It's more than just, I feel like I'm really getting away nice. from the just puns. Like I, I'm, I'm hardwired to hear them whenever. It's going to be there. Our, <laughs> yeah, our listeners are used to that by now. That's not, that's yeah. Here's where we're going. You're, you all already hinted at it. We're talking America. Here, here we're recording between two really key dates in United States history, Juneteenth and July 4th. And I know a lot of our listeners are doing some of their own wrestling with the relative meanings of those two dates. And Rob, you keyed me into this article that we're going to dive into today called The Four Americas by George Packer. It's in the, the latest Atlantic 
uh, magazine. And this is, if nothing else, I think the, the listeners are going to want to know, we think you should go read this article. <laughs> but it, it's long. And so what we're going to do here is a little bit of a digest for them. But it's worth the read. Honestly, it's worth the reread because of how it provokes a lot of questions about the meaning of the United States, which is, I think, a fascinating idea. So I want to cue it up to you guys. If you feel like you can grasp it, how would you capture what he's saying? What are these four Americas? I want to dive into what, what they are, strengths, weaknesses, where we play into it personally. But this is something you guys were really passionate about. So I want to hear the way that you frame these four. Yeah, I can dive in first. Really looking forward to hearing, Jess, your, your thoughts as well. But it was really striking. I mean, it's, a, it's an article that approaches a topic that isn't new. Oh, we live in a very divided, polarized, tribalistic society right now. That's not a hot take. But I do think what it did that was that made me share it with the both of you and say, man, this would be really something that we should it'd be really interesting to have this nuanced conversation. What jumped out at me is the way it defined the categories. It felt like it elevated. It talked sincerely. It felt like it sincerely elevated strengths and weaknesses for every type. And it didn't really play a favorite and demonize the other three. It didn't hold up one and said, this one's perfect. And these other three are what's wrong with America. It said, you know what? Each of these have their flaws, but each of them also uh, have their strengths. And I think for me, that was a really interesting exercise because it was challenging biases that I had. Okay, I definitely resonate with one of these, but it, it was a really, it took me through an exercise that I think we need more of in our country. And I thought, man, July 4th is a great opportunity to walk through that type of practice together mm -hmm. as a group. And like model, hopefully for our listeners, what does that look like to like self-select where you are in this quadrant? I don't know if it's a quadrant, but let's throw them on a quadrant. Why not? quadrant. And then also be able to like look at the others with an open mind. And and yeah. and I think that's a, a really valuable experience. So that was my take. Jess, what about you? Yeah, the four Americas that we're referencing today are the free America, the real America, the smart America, right? And the just America, ironically. Mm -hmm. And... When I was going through the article, it's so interesting because if you haven't listened to the podcast from the very beginning, you won't know this about my background, but I'm biracial and I was raised in a very small town of under 300 people in Northwest Ohio and in the Midwest. So when I read the archetypes, essentially they brought them to life through personality types almost. And so you got to read the archetypes and they would attach, you know, Sarah Palin to the real America and hear her talking as you're listening to that archetype. And I couldn't help but identify moments in time just as a person, right? I always say, like, I don't speak for, for all women in America. I don't speak for black women in America. I don't speak for single moms. I speak for Jess Averhart. My lived experience, because my lived experience is so unique, I was raised in a Reaganomics world, yeah. a Republican family in a small white community in Northwest Ohio. So we like teetered between this idea of a free America, which was very much built on Reagan politics and this notion of bootstraps and this like false notion of equality, just buckle up buttercup and do your best and we'll all be able to make it. And then this idea of Palin, who she represents, which is the real economy, which is very much my small town. Right. I mean, I was surrounded by it's agrarian. It's you got the little mechanic and the four way stop and you've got, you know, people who are living in trailer homes right in and outside and around my town. And 
folks were very blue collar and we helped each other and we didn't need anybody else but each other. I mean, it's, I'm, it's like reading these archetypes. I'm like, this is my life in real life. And then you move into the last 15 years and it feels very much like the smart America, right? Where you get lulled into this idea of this intellectual and sophisticated way of looking at living. And now here we are on the Just Podcast talking about equity and what does that really mean and what is systemic oppression and just questioning. We're doing a lot of questioning, I think, as Americans. I think it's just important I wanted to lay this out in one full swoop because as I was reading this, it's complex and layered. And you can find yourself having a bias potentially or saying, oh, this is so wrong. This idea of a free America is BS. I'm like, it is a part of a longer narrative of thinking, of way people thought, the way people process, the way people position themselves in power dynamics. And we have to recognize it so that we can decide how we want to move. So anyways... That's how I experienced this article. It was really cathartic, frankly, because I just, it was like walking through time. Yeah. I'm really glad I, we let you actually set the contours of these four Americas, Jess, because that's, there is something about the personality of each of these narratives that is really critical. You can hear them as ideals, right? Which is part of Packer's point in the article is that if we're trying to figure out who the United States is at its best, We've got competing threads and they should really work together, right? Freedom is not a bad thing. Intelligence is a good thing. Being connected to real people and actual place with real men, that's good. And justice is good. So how do they work together? But it's more than just how do we take these 30,000 foot ideals? And it's more a matter of like, what are the people who live in this narrative? What is their life like? How did they get to this point where they're thinking that way? What are they struggling with? And Jess, you typify having lived through and really you could resonate with a lot of them because you know these people you have been at key points you have been one of these various people so you feel the tension personally that he's talking about societally yeah yeah Um, and i wouldn't shy away from that chris i would say that there's no doubt in my mind that i bought into all of these all four mm -hmm. of these at one point Mm -hmm. in my life i mean Mm -hmm. unapologetically it was Mm -hmm. very it was the reagan we were a middle class family and we, we benefited greatly from Reaganomics. Now, there was a whole side of our country that I had no idea it was small. It was young, I was six or seven years old. I had no idea that another half of our country is falling apart as a result of some of those policies. But I was taught that we were in the position that we were in because of the Republican conservative principles that we held true. So I like unapologetically can find myself in every category. And I think it makes me much more sympathetic and less judgmental in general, just in life in general. But I also think it, I have to work really hard to have strong opinions too, because it gets, I feel like tension between these four. So Jess, what I'm hearing you say is you have such a high amount of empathy with each of these categories that the struggle for you is actually to stick your flag in the ground and say, no, I know we can see it a lot of different ways, but I actually think this perspective is better. Right. Is that right? Yeah. And I, yeah. And I think this is an important for people to understand that. And I think it's important, maybe not understand, because I actually think that a lot of people understand this. I think this is the tension that many people face. I just don't think that oftentimes people admit it, right? That we don't admit to these things. So when I think about the real America, which Sarah Palin is, she represents this in the article. So we really do strongly encourage you to go back to the Atlantic and read this article so you can understand what we're talking about here in in more complex terms. But 
But Sarah Palin's great because we all know her as a human and kind of how she moved and she was like gun toting and up in Alaska and very much like down to earth and all the things, right? I know those people. I know Sarah. I grew up with Sarah. I know, I mean, I don't know her really, you know what I mean? But in my right. town, mm-hmm. they yeah. have different names. I know these women. And so to unabashedly, I guess, just sort of like disavow people's opinions when I understand how they got there because I know the environment by which they were raised and how they feel or the poverty that they found themselves in or lack of opportunity, it's really hard for me. And it feels sometimes like I'm turning my back, but I also know that in order for us to have sort of reach these next levels, we do need to have really strong opinions. We need to have really clear lines in the sand but I don't think that we have, I don't think that we turned a blind eye. I think you have a line in the sand, but you're still looking across the line to the people on the other side, right? You're not, really good. you're mm. not turning your back against the line. Mm. We're only thing that you see are other mm. people that think like you and look like you. There has to be a line, but you have to see who's on the other side of it. And you have to be able to relate. Otherwise we cannot move we cannot move the needle here. So that's my opinion on this, but it doesn't come with a lot of like, you know, tension. Yeah, Mm. and that's fantastic because it's just one of the temptations is to pretend that the the very real differences that we experience aren't there. And we're not going to approach anything like consensus. We're not going to be able to build together, work together if we're blind to to what makes a difference. So stand where you stand, recognize the line, but be looking across the line, reach out the hand. I think that's fantastic. All right. I, I could be guessing here, but I want you guys to place yourselves, right? Free America, smart America, real America, just America, which she even says could also be maybe unjust America because the just American paradigm is Mm -hmm. most willing to grapple Mm -hmm. with and confront the United States mistakes and wrongdoings. Yeah. Where do you guys Mm -hmm. place yourselves? If you're making it, I could guess an answer, but I want to let you speak for yourself. Yeah, this was tricky, right? Because the article doesn't, it doesn't paint a perfect picture of Mm -hmm. any of them. It kind of criticizes all of them. And it like hurts a little like, oh, yeah. do I want to claim that one? Because it's not perfect. And I think that's the whole point. That's what this article does a really great job of doing. So I guess reluctantly, I would fall in the category of of the just America, unjust America. As, as far as what, what describes me present day, because my story is I grew up in eastern North Carolina, a rural community. I'm from real America. And so these I know Sarah too, and she has different names. And the, and the, these are people that I still, I mean, I consider friends and and family, and and so I think that's it's a it's an America that I know very well. I think the one that resonates the most with me, and this article really helped me see and challenge some of the assumptions that we'll I'm sure get into here later of come some of the limitations of just embracing that full stop that were really good good for me. But I, I would say just America. Is, is the one that for me is uh, that resonated mm-hmm. most. Yeah, That's for right. sure. The same. I mean, it's the same. And I did, it is a kind of like, oh, yeah, it didn't feel great to have to just pick one, but we knew this question was coming, right? So we, we had to sort right. of think about it. But <clears throat> I just said that I've moved in and out of all of them, but certainly where I am today is just America. And I think, again, when you read this article, there is this idea of like, 
but feeling very dark and feeling almost hopeless. There are no fixes. It's so yeah. unjust. Mm. Like, how do you actually mm. fix 400 and some years? And just this, and, and it can feel like that on this podcast sometimes. We are always trying to bring the arc back to how do you show mm. up? How do you stay hopeful? And the reason why is because this just America that they outline can lean a little bit too far into this space where you don't know how to solve yeah. for it. And it's new. It's a new, it, it, of all four, it's the newer, more emergent sort of way of thinking, right? Our young yes. people are, they do a great job of talking about how our young people are just like, it's in their DNA. You and I, yeah. Rob, are like yeah. a brackish version of whatever, of all the things, right? But our young people, like Trey looks at me like I'm right. crazy. He's just like, what are you talking about? This is not a thing. I get the history. I get all the things. I get what I look like to the world. But between my peer group, it's this is in my DNA, this idea of justice and equity. And, and it doesn't have to be taught. Hmm. The language doesn't have to be taught, which they do point as well as that even the language that we use in this just America, white fragility and systemic oppression. And just these words are words that my son can rattle off, whereas people our age and above are afraid to use them. Or they mm. don't know what they mean. Mm. So it's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. It is interesting because I think you're, you see the validity of both, right? You're like, oh, there's hesitation to lean into some of those terms. And some of that's for good reason, but also some of it can be not for good reason. It could be, I, I don't want to go there, but yeah. you need to go there, right? And so it's, a, it's just nuanced. It's not as simple as, well, this side is all, all good and this side is yeah. all bad. I think that's- Again, why you have to yeah. see people right like on. where they're lived. This is why this is so important. You just have to, and mm. we can't assume that everybody walks around wherever your downtown is and they believe what you believe or have the same vernacular, the same understanding of, of an issue or the way you view a human who has taken on a heroic position in your world is villainized on the other side of the internet. There's reasons for that. It's not magical. It's reasons mm. for that. And we have to just, first of all, say, yes, that's true and why okay. yes it's true and why let me press in to this idea of the the issues the problems with just america jess you've, you've hit on some one is this big idea that it can just feel like too much it's overwhelming the work of overturning injustice working towards equity is overwhelming you can really drown in it this was what a pause would point out george packer isn't saying justice isn't something worth working for but it's this paradigm of just America that transforms everything into a certain lens that has issues with the narrative. And so you've hit on one, mm. it's crushing. We can't stand up under the weight of it. Rob, what are some other things that he, places where he stepped on your toes, you felt like, ouch, that's, as someone working towards justice, these are corrections that are helpful for me to hear. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is why we're having this conversation around July 4th, yeah. right? Which I think it's a relevant one. This was challenging for me. It, the whole idea of ne it's never just or it never can be almost like it, it, the hopelessness, Jess, I totally resonate with that. Like when I lean into racial equity work and the training, like it leaves you hopeless because it says, hey, these things are fixed. It said in the article, the quote is, what is the narrative of just America? It sees American society not as mixed and fluid, but as a fixed hierarchy, like a caste system, right? Yeah. And it kind of gives you no hope for that ever changing because it will always evolve to protect itself. And there's really no chance. I'm like, what, what hope is there in that yeah. worldview? Mm -hmm. Yes, I'm not trying to reject the fact that these things are real. And as a white man, I want to lean cool. into these terms and grapple with power. And yet 
it really elevates power. You know, all relations are power relations is what it says. For me, it, it names the thing that I'm most wary of about the worldview that I resonate most with. So for our listeners, this is me pointing a finger at myself and saying, hey, I need to caution myself here. It's, the quote is, it's a way of thinking that places the struggle for justice within the self. And this thinking appeals not to reason or universal values, but to the authority of identity, the lived experience mm -hmm. of the oppressed, and that the self is not a rational being that can persuade or be persuaded by other selves because reason is another form of power. And basically this idea that there is no such thing as an absolute truth or a yeah. universal truth. Everything is self-defined. And I'm like, while I want to reject that in part, I want to really lean in and be like, man, lived experience, I'm really thankful to the way our society is elevating that more than it has. But we, I, I want to also not put it at the top where there can't be any absolute because I really believe that there are some values that are absolute and I live my life by that. And I want to be able to struggle with kind of the nuance of, of filtering that a little bit better than maybe I've done in the past. Yeah, I a thousand percent agree. That was my tension point too with this, besides what I said about the, what we just talked about, the darkness of it all, or how it can mm -hmm. feel a little bit dark mm -hmm. is the identity politics. I mean, that is a We've got to be, it's a cautionary, we have to be cautionary. I, I sort of support it. Just like you, there's this mix, right? Professionally, I just walked us through again, my own lived experience that's going to impact and affect how I raise my son, where I go to church, if I go to church, how I think about my community, where I feel my race plays into oppression or opportunity. But that's one person out of hundreds yeah. of millions of people in this country. So that's how I walk. Am I going to walk in my identity politics? How do you find that common ground when everyone's identity politics are likely different? It's very, yeah. that's going to yeah. be a long yeah. mountain to climb. It's tough. In, in listening to what you guys are saying, this isn't an image that Packer uses in an article, but I, it struck me as I was reading, it's like the idea of balance on your speakers, that if you've got the sound coming through, but the bass is turned all the way down, that's, to me, the image that I, I think of when it comes to the narrative of the United States, that you have this freedom, opportunity, real people. Like, that's been the treble portion that's been coming through the speakers. We've needed to really turn the base up to say, like, hey, there's some issues of justice or injustice that we have not been listening to. Let's. It's important to listen to women as women, mm. to listen to people of color mm. because they're people of color. But the danger is you could turn that up and just do all bass and drown the others out, at which point you're like, no, we wanted to hear the full symphony of the music coming through. We need appropriate critique mm -hmm. of the past without ditching everything from anyone who's come before us. And that is tricky because balance is a dynamic thing. <laughs> when you think you've got mm -hmm. that balance, it's really easy to tip one way or another. I want to round it. We're going to ask you guys to show up here in a second. But just before that, I want to flip it and say, okay, we've been critical of the just America paradigm, which is where we mm. most naturally live, which is the one that's like most foreign to you, hardest for you to step into. And I want you to say something positive about that because that's that's mm. part of the soul searching work that I think you wanted us to do. Like Jess was saying, how do you reach across that line? What's the line farthest from you? And what's the best version of that narrative? Yeah. I love this question. And I think this question is so important. And it was so hard. It was so hard because it was convicting how hard it was. It shouldn't be this hard. But it, it, may, it was really convicting because it holds a mirror up for me. Man, 
I need to practice this more. I need to practice looking for the good in people that I disagree with or that I feel like I have a hard time relating with to be able to try to work on developing empathy. So for me, it was real America. Where I'm from is where I feel like I have the hardest time relating to. You know, it's weird, right? Because like I get it, but also it feels foreign Mm -hmm. now. Familiar, but foreign. But I would say the work ethic of real America stands out to me. I mean, the, just how hard people work in real America, that's not a false part of what they're doing. Like that, that's true. I've seen that firsthand. I'm not saying other people don't work hard, but it doesn't negate the fact that real America really has a, a strong work ethic. Their loyalty to place and neighbor. Looking out for each other is a good principle. Now, this article, I'll stop short there, but I think this idea of they limit it to a circle. If you're in that circle, we're going to look out for you. And looking out for somebody and your neighbor and having a loyalty to place is a good thing in principle. The application is where it, I would have more problematic, but that's answering a question that right. you didn't ask. Yeah. So, <laughs> and then the, la- the last thing I'll ask is, or add is the, the belief in limits. This was really helpful for me in like reframing how I view real America. Believing in limits and boundaries is good in principle, just like loving your neighbor is good in principle, but who is my neighbor, Mm -hmm. right? What limits are we setting and who, I think it can be tricky in in application, which it talks about a little bit when it talks about free America or real America switching to blood and soil a little bit. So, and lack of hypocrisy. Once I got going, you guys didn't, I don't know if this is too many answers, but like they, they say what they mean, which I think at the end of the day, I would prefer to work with someone who says what they mean than saying one thing and then in the light and then doing or saying something else in the dark because I don't know how to work with that. And so that feels almost like more optimistic that I could lean in because of the lack of hypocrisy. Yeah. Yeah, So Rob and I did not compare notes on this and we have the exact same response to your question, Chris, around which which of these Americas is sort of the least of them, if you will, when it comes to like how we live our lives Mm -hmm. today. But yet there are some really important things to learn from the ways in which those who subscribe to this sort of America, how they live their life. And so for our listeners, I thought I would start with the thing that that resonates with me as to why this America doesn't work. And so the way this article frames it very simply is that real America has always needed to feel that both a shiftless underclass, and that's sort of like code for black and brown people, mm-hmm. and a parasitic uh-huh. elite, which is like code for like Clinton. Corporate, corporate rich, America, corporate America, yeah. the 1%. Right, right yeah, the 1%. Yeah. Um, so the real Americans has always needed to feel that both the shiftless underclass and a parasitic elite depend on mm-hmm. its labor, meaning the those who come out of the real America's labor, blue, yeah. blue, blue collar. Mm-hmm. And in this way, it renders the black working class invisible. So that sort of is like the antithesis of how I live my life. And mm-hmm. yet, the way this article frames it, it described my hometown. Mm-hmm. So obviously, mm-hmm. I, again, know these people. And it says that the real America is also like a provincial village where everyone knows everyone's business. No one has much more money than anyone else. And only a few misfits ever move away. The villagers can fix Mm. their own boilers and they go out of their way to help their neighbors in a jam. A new face on Mm. the street will draw immediate attention and suspicion. But that is right. You Mm. know, everybody like, what are they doing in town? We know this. We know what that looks like. Who is that? There's this neighbor. Who's coming to visit Joe? Right? Everybody knows. (laughs) Up in each other's business. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's something very precious about that, that Mm. we can lose over Mm. time because we can become too individualistic. And what they're saying here is that they really subscribe to this idea of nationalism, which becomes is a bad word, right? Mm. 
But in the way that this sort of archetype sees it, it's treasured, it's precious, it's important to take care of your own first before you start to go. And I do think that we need to have more community focus. We do need to look. So putting my flag in the ground, it is important to look around at the people I can serve today. That's how I'd much rather be able to get in there and do that work. And that is how this class of, or this America. Yeah, that's the narrative. So I I found Mm. that comforting and also short-sighted at the same time. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, there's so much meat here. And I think I speak for myself, I speak for us. We're relatively like-minded here, but I suspect that just about anybody approaching each of these four paradigms, they're really listening, would have those moments to pause, step back and say, gosh, how am I thinking about these other people? What is the United States I've built in my head? How close is that to the the real thing that's existed in history? So I want to close this by asking you guys, very hinted at it a few ways, but are there specific ways coming out of this that you're saying like, this is how I need to show up having done some of this soul searching work? Yeah, I would say the biggest conviction for me was not to remain, not only to just, I guess, burst, burst out of the silo and not just when I look at the relationships. Well, yeah, I have acquaintances, right, with people outside of, of Just America, but I really, I, I want to be able to know them again. I, I don't want to just pull off of 20-year-old receipts, Jess. You know what I'm saying? Like, I knew Sarah 20 years ago. I need to know Sarah today. I need to know Steve today. Like, I really know them. And like, really, because I don't want it to, this article ends with saying, this is not tenable. Like, pretending like we're in four separate Americas doesn't work for any of them. I don't want to be a part of that problem. And so for me, the tangible step is like, I have at my fingertips real America in my life. And I want to do a better job of seeing them, humanizing them, not attacking their dignity as human beings, and really just investing in those relationships to to understand and to be able to build empathy, not to like that I'm looking to be converted. I actually, I mean, I Everyone knows on this podcast, I hold these convictions very strongly. I don't, I think they're going to hold up, (laughs) but not to go into looking for a fight, but looking into it, trying to form a friend. Is there some common ground that we could build off of? And I think these values that you helped us to name of the assets Mm -hmm. of a real America is a really helpful lens to say, let's build off of that. Cause that's something I have deep respect for those values I just named. So, and that's something we could have in common. Let's build there and then try to build a bridge instead of of a wall. So that would be, it would be in my relationships is how I feel. That's good. It's almost a different lens. I need to sit on this one, but like in a different type of fusion friendship, one that's more ideological than economic or or ethnic, right? But very much so. Very really necessary. What about you, Jess? Yeah, I think probably the exercise, this article was great because it forced me to do some self-reflection. And I think that it's easy to take an Atlantic article that lays out these various Americas and, and archetypes in many ways and be very judgmental. I think I would challenge everyone to read it. But when you read it, maybe mm. read it through the lens of the last question that we just answered, mm. which was what about the free America, which is based on conservative very white, conservative, systemic principles, Reaganist principles. What of that? Where do you see the, where do you see that silver lining? Like, why would someone attach themselves to that? What is it about that, that you also attach yourself to? So finding Mm -hmm. those common threads, it doesn't mean that you're subscribing. What it means is that you're seeing, you're like actually opening your mind to see the benefit. That's what I'm suggesting. So 
completely. Yeah. Know thyself. Yeah, it's basically, be really right? easy to read that article, this article, and find your people. Yep. Say, this is why mm-hmm. I'm this, mm-hmm. and that's why I'm that. And mm-hmm. I get that there's some downside, but at the end of the day, we're going to win. Mm-hmm. And this article talks mm-hmm. about this like yeah. tendency, this temptation to want to win in your bracket, right? My bracket's mm-hmm. better than your yep. bracket. And at the end of the day, win the national championship in America. Go America. Red, white, go and blue forever. America. Yeah. Right. My yeah. America yeah. wins. And that's not real. Mm-hmm. And I would add this quote, the end that I think is if we're if we have a pulse on if our conversation is anything like our listeners, like they resonate. I think a majority of our listeners are like us. If they're listening to the just podcast, <laughs> I would say it's it's not I would put a little bit of money on the fact that they probably resonate with the perspective that we have brought to this conversation. But here's the quote that really was convicting that I think our listeners that, that kind of back up your advice, Jess, to go and read it the way that you told them to, is that the quote is that the dead end of just America is a tragedy. This country has had great movements for justice in the past and badly needs one now. But in order to work, it has to throw its arms out wide. It has to tell a story in which most of us can see ourselves and start on a path that most of us want to follow. Neither separation nor conquest is a tenable future. And there's your incentive. Like, I, I really think that hits home for me and I think it validates. That's why they should go follow your advice and, and hopefully both of our advice, like in their relationships. But before they do mine, I think they need to do yours. I think that needs to yep. be, we need to reverse order in the way that it was answered. Go do the work of looking at yourself in the mirror. And then with that self-awareness, go move in the world. But it certainly um, makes the conversations those. with these real people easier if you know where they're coming from. I mean, really, you yes. can't walk into these relationships. You just you don't want somebody coming into your conversation and they don't understand your perspective. I mean, we always just come on, y'all. Just, we have to enter conversations with a little bit of information and a little bit of empathy and grace. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, the article is How America Fractured into Four Parts. It's online. We'll put it in the show notes, make it easy for our listeners to be able to listen. Chris, thank you for walking us through this conversation. You did it beautifully. I knew it'd be a joy to do this. I really enjoyed hearing your perspective and then having you just guide us through this because this is a lot to unpack. Our listeners have no idea how hard you made this look so easy. When they read the article, they'll be like, man, their reputa- your reputation is going to skyrocket because what your ability to be able to really find the heartbeat of this was was really helpful, and which is why we had you on because we knew you'd do a phenomenal okay. job. You did not disappoint. Uh, I appreciate it. It was great to walk through this with you guys. So I'm hoping this will be really helpful for a ton of people, just like it was for all three of us, right? Yeah, yeah. And we'll, hey, we don't get used to the shadows. You may be going back to, to work up the title game, but we, we, we're going to need to bring you back out of there into the daylight yeah, more often. we need to bring them out as our Sherpa. Like Chris. All right. All right. Yeah, I love it. The Sherpa in residence. As That's it. The <laughs> Sherpa in residence. I love it. I love it. I love it. Let's get the business cards printed right now. <laughs> All right. Thanks, friends. friends. Thank you, friends. Until next time. Right. All right. Bye. See Thanks so much for listening to Just. In the spirit of sharing, if you like what you've heard, tell a friend about the show and give us a five-star rating and review. Many thanks to DJ P-Dog and producer Low Key for producing the music for our show. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. 